Mm. I just draw your attention back, thank you. Grab your coffee. We wind up your conversations for the moment. You can always catch up with everyone later. It's good to see, you. it's a bit confusing having another Mr. and Mrs. Beanie back in the building now. Two Mr. and Mrs. Beanies. We're going to call you, what are we going to call you, Mr. and Mrs. Beanie Jr.? <laughs> Great, my name, is, my name is Jem, as Phil mentioned earlier. Um, as again, I, I'm one of the elders. It's my privilege to speak to you this morning. Um, continuing our series on prayer, coming very close to the end of this series about praying together and how important it is. Right at the beginning of the Bible... God gives a command to Adam and Eve. So the first people that God created, right at the beginning of the Bible, he says to be fruitful. He says to go and increase, to go and multiply, to go and fill the earth. There's a commandment there to be fruitful, to be productive. And God promises Abraham a bit later, another great character in the Bible we come across in Genesis. He probably says to Abraham that his ancestors, his descendants, sorry, will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as numerous as the sand on the beach. Now that implies fruitfulness, doesn't it? It implies multiplication. So right at the beginning of the Bible, God speaks about a commandment to be fruitful to, to, the, to man who he creates. And he promises that this fruitfulness will happen through this like promise to Abraham. To those that trust and know and love and follow God, we are to be fruitful and we will be fruitful. There will be this promise of it. But then we also have this thing of sin that comes in right at the beginning of the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve. And what happens when sin comes in is this fruitfulness, this productivity actually becomes hard and painful. Because there'll be pain in childbirth. It says working the land will become difficult and hard to earn your living and to keep, your, keep yourselves alive. It's going to be difficult. So the fruitfulness, the multiplication that God commands us to be and promises to be suddenly becomes hard because of sin. It becomes difficult. And we know, not many of us are farmers, but if you're preparing a crop for harvest... To get to the optimum yield for that harvest, you need to remove obstacles that will prevent fruitful growth. We were with my brother-in-law the other week, the one I, just, I mentioned earlier, and um, we were talking about reminiscing and he, how he, was, as, a, as, a, as a teenager, used to go and help at a farm or agricultural producer locally to where they lived. And I think this crop was wheat, and the, the guy took him to the field, and he said to him, here's, here's, here's the wheat harvest, um, there's lots of weeds in here. We need them all removing before we can bring the machinery in to harvest the wheat. Um, so this was about eight in the morning. And he goes, great, I'll be back at 5.30. See you then. <laughs> and like he looked at this field and he said, I had to work this all by my own. I had to do it with my own. 
And what I want to be talking about today is how actually being united together in prayer, we can be more effective the more people are involved. About uprooting the trees, uprooting the things that prevent fruitfulness in our lives, prevent the fruitfulness of the church. When we come together and combine our efforts in prayer, something incredibly powerful can happen to spiritually uproot obstacles. It can be much easier to influence our communities for the kingdom when through prayer we have uprooted the things that are in the way of fruitful growth. <clears throat> We're going to be looking at the verse today in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. And this is Paul writing to a church in Corinth. And he says in this verse, As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Paul understood that there's going to be fruitfulness. The many will give thanks for the favor that's been granted to Paul in bringing the good news of Jesus to other nations, to other peoples. Paul knows there's going to be fruitfulness. But he knows that it's not done on his own. He knows it's not him and his clever words. It's not him having a big army. It's not him having a clever bunch of lawyers that's going to help him convince people about the good news of Jesus. He knows that it's the prayers of many. Many people coming together and praying is going to make a path, clear the way for Paul and his team to be fruitful in bringing the good news of Jesus to others. <clears throat> he understood that fruitfulness is not necessarily a number of things in terms of the size of gathering together, but what people do together. Paul said, when we pray together, help us by your prayers, the favor will be granted in answer to the prayers of many, the gathering of people to pray together. Mike Betts in his book says this, about praying together. He thinks, I think it's true to say that looking through the New Testament, you can't find many instances where Paul or any of the other New Testament writers refer to the size of the local church being the important thing in being fruitful in mission. Yes, we all want church to be bigger and grow and for more and more people to come to know the Lord. But even a small church can be fruitful in its locality as it grows. There isn't an optimum size for fruitfulness. We're not waiting until we get to a certain number and think, yes, now we can do something. What Mike Betts and what Paul understands in his letter is that it's not the number of people that's important, it's what we do together. Paul understood it was the prayers of many that was going to make his mission fruitful as he uprooted things. Have you ever tried to dig up a dandelion in your garden? It's a bit of the season for gardening, isn't it, at the moment? You've been out in your gardens, if you've got a garden. Um, who's got dandelions in their garden? I've been about 30. 30, well done. Good. On your own? A team. <laughs> your team got dandelions. Okay, but dandelions, the thing about dandelions, if you've got dandelions, is you can take the head off and think we've got rid of it, can't you? But with a dandelion, the root goes down quite deep. And you can, it takes a little bit of digging around, doesn't it, to find the root and pull it up. Now, relatively easily dandelions can be pulled up by one person it's not difficult you can dig around a bit pull it up and, and get rid of it but what about when it comes to a tree a bit harder isn't it to pull up on your own imagine well, look at the trees around us i mean i've got a bush 
in our garden that I've really been trying to get rid of for a while. Um, it's just there. Um, it's been impossible to do it on my own. I've, I kept cutting back the shoots thinking that will stop it. That will stop it coming back. If I just do that every now and again, it'll eventually give up. I think, ah, oh, Jem's come back to cut us again. I'm just going to give up. I can't keep on putting up shoots, but that's what a tree does. It puts up shoots. Um, I've even tried piling stuff on top, actually, just to hope that by covering it, it'll go, oh, I can't, I can't give up. Um, but it just doesn't seem to work. It's just these little shoots start crawling around all the stuff that I've piled on top. Now, deep down, I know that I've got to get that thing out from the root. Um, and I know that I actually can't do that on my own. It requires people to do it. And, and it requires help and a team to uproot sometimes the, the trees. Sometimes the dandelions are fairly easy to pull up on your own. But there are moments when there's, there's things in our way that we just can't manage on our own. Those things that we need help with in uprooting. There's something powerful, that image, isn't it, of people levering together. You, know, you put weight on a lever put it under a tree, that lever moves it up. Um, there's a great film called Shane. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a Western. It's an old Western. Um, but it's about this gunslinger who finds refuge in a, in a farming family. And um, this farmer has a, a, a route that he's been trying to get up for ages and ages and ages. And there's this, there's this real distrust between them because... You know, the farmer knows the background of this guy. He suspects he's seen the guns that he's hiding away. And, um, and this guy's, the, the gunslinger is thinking, oh, no, I don't want to reveal who I am. because So there's a lot of mistrust and there's a lot of um, tension sort of in the relationship. And this farmer suddenly goes out one, one day and just starts to chop away at this tree again. And after a period, the gunslinger comes and joins him. And there's this... There's this moment where they're chopping away and then they just look at each other and there's, there's, it's, there's this connection. There's, the relationship has been broken, has been mended. The, what, the tension that was there, the distrust, has suddenly been broken down as they work together on pulling this tree up. And that's the, one of the wonderful things when we pray together is we start to gather together in unity. We start to break down tensions and we start to break down barriers and that's really what I want to talk about in terms of praying together in uprooting trees. So it's not necessarily the numbers. I'm not saying that the more people we have, the more powerful it's going to be. I think we need to be careful about saying that. If we have more people praying, then we'll have more power. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's what praying together does. But there are certain things about praying together that does produce fruitfulness. And I think there's two, two things about this. One is that it gathers people, it, it, with prayer, it gathers to something about God. It gathers to the promise of God. So I mentioned that God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful. Why he promised to Abraham that your descendants will be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach. Because there's something of God that speaks into a situation, that speaks into a, a, a revelation that then we'll gather people together to pray. It starts from God. It starts from knowing who God is. It starts from understanding that this God is faithful and he's loving and he, has, and he keeps his word. <coughs> Excuse me. Pulling up dandelions is often an ongoing thing, isn't it, in your garden? Pulling up trees doesn't happen all the time. It's, it's, you come across it, you think, now's the time. This is the moment we need to do something about this tree. 
I know I need to do something about this bush in my garden at some point. And there's going to be a point where I'm going to say, this is the moment. I need to get some friends. I'm just going to do it. Um, stop just piling more rubbish on. Because <laughs> the garden's just going to go rubbish and rubbish and rubbish. Um, so there's moments. There's moments of extraordinary prayer that I think when, we, when people come together to dig up trees, to really lever and put pressure and, the, and apply pressure, as it were, to the things of God that we believe God is going to do and God is going to see. There's a wonderful story in, in the book of Chronicles where the, the Jewish people, so God's people, they've been continuing in their daily life, they've been doing their rituals, they've been going about their work, and then all of a sudden they discover the Old Testament, or literally the book of Moses that Moses had written, the, the bits of Genesis, the bits of um, Deuteronomy and Leviticus, where it talks about God's relationship and what God does and what God promises. This has been hidden away somewhere, somehow, in the temple until somebody discovers it. And they bring it to the king, Josiah. And he's just convicted by what he reads. And he sees, wow, we, we've been doing the wrong things for so long. That's not what God had intended. That's not what God had said. And so in verses 30 to 31 of 2 Chronicles 34, it says this about King Josiah. It says, he went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, with the inhabitants of Jerusalem, with the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, what, what God had given to Moses, the words of God that God has spoken to Moses, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by his pillar, his pillar, and he renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes and decrees with all his heart and all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in the book. This was a moment where God spoke. God spoke through his word. The people of Israel rediscovered something about God through what they found in his word that he'd said to them. And this was a profound moment for them because they realized that we'd been doing it all wrong. And so Josiah, he gathers everyone together. And I love that bit where it says the least to the greatest. This wasn't a moment for priests to do something. This wasn't a moment for kings and princes and certain people of high influence. This was a moment for everyone to gather together to hear what God has to say and to be committed and to un be united in responding to what God says. It says he renewed the covenant. It says he, Josiah renewed the covenant in front of everyone to follow the Lord again. There was a rediscovery. It's not a new thing. This was a rediscovery of who God was and what God has said. And when we gather together, when we come to pray together, we get those moments when God speaks, when we have a rediscovery of what God has said where we have a reminder of maybe what God has promised and where God speaks to us about what is going to happen next. So these, when we gather together, these extraordinary moments of prayer, when everyone can come together, doesn't matter what your background is, come together to hear what God has to say. There was a, there was a moment that resulted in this extraordinary meeting that gathered all God's people together to be committed to seeing God move. So it comes from God. Well, we, these, these extraordinary moments of prayer come from what God says. They're born out of God speaking into the situations. 
Now, that can come through our Sunday mornings, that comes meetings, it can come through our regular prayer meetings, it can come through our midlife, midlife, I'm getting to midlife, that's just, um, our, our midweek groups um, that gather together, you know, there's a sense of being together and praying and, and learning from God, so things can be birthed in there as God speaks, we come with that expectation, but as God speaks, something extraordinary happens as we believe God for his promises. And then what happens is there's a visible unity and like a, a, an explicit agreement together to say, yes, we're coming together. We're coming together to pray for this. We're coming together to pray for this specific thing. It's not just a disparate group of people in different locations, but a group of people praying for the same things regularly. You don't necessarily have to be in the same venue, the same place, but there's something about being in the same place together. But there's something about saying, we feel we need to pray for this. And we're going to all pray together. We're all going to apply pressure to this lever because we think this, there's a massive thing here we need to move. God has spoken. We need to apply our prayers and our direction to this, to get this thing out. Because God has commanded us to be fruitful. And he's promised that we will be fruitful. There was no personal agendas in this meeting in Chronicles. There's no personal agenda when we gather together to pray. We don't come with our, our own personal ideas. We're waiting on God to see what he says and to be united behind what God says. It was a God-shaped and inspired gathering. And that's what we want our prayer times together as a church to be. God-inspired. God-gathering as we believe in who God is and what he said. There have been a few things over the past few years where I think that God has spoken about stuff and we've moved into them. For example, the unreached I mentioned earlier that, we, that Susie and I are part of, during lockdown, we started to pray together online. We had these, what we call Friday prayers, where people could gather by Zoom. Zoom was an amazing gift. Um, and it opened up huge, more, huge opportunities to pray for nations, to get people who are in nations to hear what God was saying to them about the places they were living in and working in and, and, and wanting to reach out to. And then to pray all together for those things. And I think that what I talked about in terms of Cyprus came out of that. The church in Athens that st suddenly started, just it, it, it was God happening, but it came out of praying for a length of period. We didn't know what God was going to do, but we, we knew that God had promised that there was, something was going to happen in Athens. And it, and it happened in a different way than the people had gone out had expected. They had gone out intending one thing, but God did another thing. And now there's, there's a gathering happening which hadn't been anticipated. But it came out of prayer. We're praying for, we were praying for um, Cairo. And there's been a, a few couple of people there for a long time. And then this last year, there's been a, almost like a whole gathering of team um, to go to Cairo, um, the team has multiplied, literally from something like four people to now 15. Multiplication, just even over the last year. But that's, we didn't come with an idea of numbers, we just said, God, would you do something? We believe you're, you want to do something here. And over the last few months here as a church, we've had this growing sense of God speaking to us about the urgent need for prayer, haven't we? That's why we've been doing this series on praying together. Because we feel God is speaking about the importance of it. God is speaking to us about the urgency of praying to see what God will do. 
And we've been considering our prayer times together and when and how we meet. We feel this is a season maybe for us as a church to be committed more to praying together. Both physically, getting together in one place, but also with the same sense of what we're praying for, some of the same things. So the prayers for Paul, those who were praying for Paul and his mission in that verse, they were all over the place. All over the, all over the places he'd been, but they were praying specifically for his fruitfulness. That the things that had obstructed him, whether he's in prison, whether he's facing shipwreck, whatever's happening, people were praying that these, these things would move, doors would open, ways would be made for Paul to continue his mission. That they were praying for the deliverance and the fruitfulness and the success of his mission. There was, this, there was a sense of focus and unity. This is what we're praying for. What are the deep-rooted things in our lives that we would love to see God move in? There may be stuff personally in your life. You think, I need help. I've been praying for this for ages. It's not happening. I just need people to get around me and pray. And as we pray, let's apply this pressure to the lever for these situations. I don't know, you may have certain things in your life that maybe you just think, I'd love to get people around me to pray, to commit to praying for a certain period of time. We'd love to see breakthrough in healing, wouldn't we, as a church? We know there are many people in the church who have long-term health conditions. They've been praying, and we've been praying for a long time to see breakthrough. Let's get committed to praying together. That requires a little bit of work. You know, pray doesn't take away the need to, to work in these sort of situations. We need to be doing the bits and pieces. So, for example... If you want to be praying for someone, for healing, you can commit to someone and say, I'm going to commit to praying for you for this period of time. Unless you probably write it down and put it somewhere and keep getting it out, a week goes by and you'll have forgotten. Just, it's just the way we are, isn't it? Things come up. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you are a, a failure. It just means that other things come in and we're, we're, we just forget. That's who we are. But if we're going to be committed to praying for someone and praying together for something, we need to just make a note of it and remind ourselves. Um, lots of different ways we could do that. So breakthrough in healing, we'd love to see, wouldn't it? Love to see that. I would love to see breakthrough in, <coughs> excuse me, disciple making. So people coming to know Jesus. Seeing people believing in and following Jesus. Seeing those who've fallen away from God returning to him. That's been a burden of prayer, I think, for a while for us as a church. For those that have known Jesus have gone away from him. And we've been praying for that. We had a time three or four weeks ago in our prayer meeting where it was just a real focus of praying for those who've fallen away from Jesus. And it was encouraging to hear that in Connection Point, so the, the place where new people can connect with the church and find out more and get more involved, there are a couple of people there who feel that God is drawing them back to him after a period. Is that an answer to prayer? I believe it is. Um, it's encouraging, isn't it, to hear those stories. To praying for more people. That praying and be committed to praying for those things. Praying for leaders and elders in the church. We'd love to see more elders in the church. It's not just People we want to see multiplied and people followers of Jesus. We want to see leadership multiplied and developed. We want to be praying for the leaders, praying for new elders to be raised up. 
people who can multiply what we're doing and go further. That's what we'd love to see happen, isn't it? But also praying for specific leaders, Sam and Luthia, who lead our students in 20s. Wouldn't it be great if a few people gathered around them and said, I want to pray for you and what you're doing. I'm going to be committed to praying for you regularly. I'm going to be committed to praying for the students in 20s work. What about our youth team, Sarah and Eve, as they lead that? Wouldn't it be great if people said, look, I want to get behind this. Our young people are so important. They're the leaders of our next generation. They're the ones who are going to step up into leadership. They're the ones who are going to wrestle with the, with the theological issues and how to make disciples and how to bring the good news of Jesus to their friends and their families. Wouldn't it be great if a few people said, look, Sarah and Eve, I'd love to commit to praying for you. And we do that as when we gather together in prayer meetings. But I think there's something about a sense of, no, we're going to be, not just when we get together, but we're going to be committed to praying for these things. <coughs> Excuse me. And then the other Sunday, um, Richard shared a dream that he felt he'd had. And it was a verse that we'd been sort of playing around with for a while and thinking about. And he said he, was, he had this picture of the church. People were, some, some were socializing, some were gathered here, some were there. And he was, he was going around saying, come on, it's, we need to pray, we need to pray. And he's, he felt this, God gave him this verse where it says about how the harvest is plentiful. So the fruitfulness is there. Therefore, pray. Pray for workers. But it's that sense of therefore pray. And again, this just reinforces sense that we, we this urgency to be praying because the harvest is plentiful. God has promised fruitfulness. God has commanded us to go and multiply and be fruitful. And God has given us these things. Therefore, we need to pray because God is the one who moves in power. Not our prayers that, it's not our prayers that change things, but yes, they do. But it's God who moves and it's God who has the power. So when we pray, we come to God. We come with the expectation that he is the one who has all power and authority. He is the one who can move and change and bring about massive circumstances. And so one of the things we've been thinking about is Roehampton. Wouldn't we love to see a church built into Roehampton? And so we thought, okay, what do we do? We thought, pray. Yeah, pray. Because that's what God says to us. Pray to the God of the harvest that he will raise up workers. And so on the 14th of May, that's, when's the 14th? What date is it today? <laughs> two weeks, two weeks today, literally, isn't it? Two weeks today, we have committed to going to Roehampton during our, our, our weekly prayer meeting um, and thinking, we're going to go and just go to Roehampton. Gather there. Maybe have a bit of worship and then go and pray. Walk around praying for that area. It's like we could pray. We trust God is going to do something out of this. And also on the back of that, we thought about, well, what about other churches in the area? Could we gather some of the other New Frontiers churches to pray together, to see God move here? And so something might happen in that over the next couple of months. But it's just God is stirring things in us. They're coming from God. They sound like good ideas. You know, it's not just good ideas, but we really think God is speaking to us about these things, the urgency of prayer. We need to be praying together for what God is going to do in Roehampton, but also in the areas of our personal lives and the areas of the lives of the church. We'd love to see breakthrough.
And as Mike Betts puts it, he says, now that doesn't mean we don't have to go out and work hard. We still have to share the gospel to influence communities and be good news to those around us. We still have to do some digging. Prayer doesn't replace the work we have to do. But Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we've still got to do stuff, but it's a whole lot easier to do kingdom work when we have already begun to leverage in prayer the things that we want to see happen. So that when we dig at those roots, they come up a lot easier. And I just, you know, the dandelions in the garden, there's, there's always going to be dandelions that we need to dig at. But there are going to be these moments where we need to pull together to pray, to see, to see breakthrough in certain situations. God, because God wants us to trust him. God wants us to come to him. And, we, and that expression of trust and belief in God happens when we pray together. I just love what's been happening with this conqueror challenge. Um, so this has brought together least to the greatest. So, so Noah um, has been like probably the greatest. <laughs> Haven't you? <laughs> um, sorry, Sam. <laughs> but you were on honeymoon, so yeah, you, you, you were... Um, I'm not going to say who the least is. That's not, but... But what I loved about it was that it, it brought together people with a purpose to say, we're going to travel this distance. So that, that, was, that was the thing, wasn't it? And, and we're going to raise money to do, in doing so. But I love what happened is because it, it brought together people who have various different abilities in terms of exercise, and they could each do what they could do. And each thing contributed to the whole. And some of it was, oh, it's stuff I already do. I can put it towards the Conqueror Challenge. So I, my walk to work, for example, I suddenly start recording it. I'm, I'm putting it down. I think, wow, that's like seven kilometers a day that I can put in. So it's something I was already doing, but all of a sudden, what I was doing had a focus and, a, and an attention that I could put it into. And so, but then the, on top of that, there's like, oh, no, I'm going to do this extra bit. Because I had the focus, I thought, oh, yeah, this is, this, is, this is okay, I can do this. I'm going to do a little bit more. And so you go out and do a little bit more. You put a little bit more effort in. And you know what? We reached our goal. And we reached our goal a day early. And it was that coming together of the least and the greatest, those who were incredibly fit, who could like run 20 miles a day, to those that could maybe walk half a kilometer. And they all bring it together with this one purpose and goal in mind. And I think that's what this is about, praying together, this idea of there, is, there are certain moments where God speaks to us and says, oh, we see these, these massive trees and we think we can't uproot this on our own. We need to come together. We need to apply leverage in prayer, trusting that God is going to move. And we will see these things uprooted and we will start to see fruitfulness again in the life of the church, in our individual life. It's an amazing thing. I'm just going to invite the band up. We're going to focus on Jesus in a minute because that's where our power and authority comes from. That's who we pray to. Prayer is not just a human idea. It's something that God commanded to do. He taught his disciples how to pray and we need to continue to learn how to gather together and to pray. This is a great quote that Mike Betts finishes with uh, in his, this chapter in his book. 
that though through prayer, there is no problem that can't be solved, no sickness that can't be healed, no burden that can't be lifted, no storm that can't be weathered, no devastation that can't be relieved, no sorrow that can't be erased, no poverty cycle that can't be broken, no sinner that can't be saved, no perishing that can't be rescued, no fallen that can't be lifted, no hurt that can't be removed, no broken relationship that can't be mended, no difference that can't be resolved, no hindrance that can't be shaken, no limitation that can't be overcome, no mourning that can't be comforted, no ashes that can't become beauty, no heaviness that can't be comforted, <coughs> Sorry, no, that can't be covered with a garment of praise, no thirst that can't be quenched, no hunger that can't be filled, no dry ground that can't be flooded, no desert that can't blossom, no congregation that can't be revived, no preacher that can't be anointed, no church pews that can't be filled, no church leadership team that can't become one, no community that can't be Christianized, and no nation that can't be transformed. As we come together and pray, let's come to this wonderful God who speaks to us of fruitfulness, who promises fruitfulness. And fruitfulness comes out of him because he is a giving God. That's his nature. He loves to give. He loves to bless. He is a good God. And we come to that wonderful Saviour Jesus who's opened the door for us to know him. And to come into his presence with prayer, to come and bring our requests, knowing this wonderful loving Jesus we have.